There you go. No extra charge, right, Ron? Okay. This morning we're going to look at the very first people who were honored and privileged to get to know the newborn King of Kings and Lord of Lords. We're going to look at the very first people uh, when the second person of the Trinity took on human form and was born in a barn. And Bob, you mentioned this. Just in case you're wondering, Jesus always has been. He didn't, he didn't come into existence, but he took on human form when he was born in a barn. But here's what's interesting. His first visitors weren't kings. They weren't governors. They weren't mayors. They, they weren't uh, uh, princes and princesses. The very first people to be introduced to the Messiah, the promised one, were shepherds. Shepherds. Okay? In biblical times, track with me, shepherds were thought to be right in line with thieves. They, they weren't trusted. They weren't respected. They were despised and mistreated by society. Why? First, if you were a shepherd, you had to take care of the sheep. That means you took care of sick sheep. Uh, you had to bring new sheep into the world. It was blood and there was uncleanliness. Therefore, shepherds weren't allowed into the temple area. Shepherds weren't allowed because they were unclean. They were dirty and unclean, both physically and spiritually. Second, shepherds were at the bottom of the financial ladder. You need to understand, usually shepherds were unschooled, uneducated. They were the minimum wage workers of biblical days. Uh, if you go today, you're going to see actually a lot of young uh, shepherds, uh, a lot of little girls, but again, they, they literally were minimum wage, lived and ate and stayed with the sheep all the time. Third, the job of shepherd, because it was looked down on, attracted people who couldn't find work anywhere else. Okay, If you had a criminal past, if, uh, if you were one who you didn't observe the Old Testament law, Therefore, you would be a good candidate to be a shepherd. Biblical days, shepherds weren't allowed to testify in a court of law. And the reason is, they were thought of so little. These folks, they a little bribe, and they'll say anything. So therefore, no shepherds were allowed to testify in a court of law. So, so there you, you know, you go. That's who the very first witnesses were of King Jesus when he came and was born in a Bethlehem barn. Would you locate with me in your Bibles, Luke chapter 2? We're going to read out loud together about the very first people that appeared to Jesus when he was born in a Bethlehem manger. We're going to start with verse 8, read down through verse 20. If you're able, would you stand with me? Let's read together. This is God's book. Let's read it with zest. Here we go. That night, 
There were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified. But the angel reassured them, Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. Suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in highest heaven, and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. And all who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. But Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying for all they'd heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. Let's pray. Lord, thank you uh, for recording for us that that very familiar story. And I'm asking that uh, you'd help us to pay attention, and I pray that these words will be new and fresh and alive today in your church. And Lord, I just want to pause and say thank you. Thank you that your son didn't appear first to kings and presidents and rich and powerful people of this world. Thank you, Lord, for uh, caring about the plain, ordinary nobodies like most of us. Lord, thank you for caring about the despised and rejected. Even today in 2023, you still care about those who no one else cares about. And Lord, would you help us as your kids to care about them too? We invite you, Lord, come take charge today in your church. Might your spirit today have the freedom to to speak and nudge and teach and challenge us. Lord, thank you uh, for these words that you inspired Dr. Luke to write down. And all the church family gathered at Walloon Lake, said with one united voice, you can be seated. The sky explodes to a bunch of social outcasts. Understand, it's, it's shepherds. The good news of great joy is given first to a bunch of nobodies, (laughs) half asleep, don't be afraid, shepherds, 
The angel says, I've got some really good news. Look at verse 11. Today in the town of David, Bethlehem, a Savior, a Messiah, has been born. Verse 12, and guys, (laughs) you'll know it. It's him by the clothes he's wearing. The king will be dressed in a silk purple onesie. You're going to know it. It's going to be amazing when you get there. No, (laughs) he's actually wearing uh, pieces of cloth that have been torn, okay? Swaddling clothes. The, The clothes of the poor is what he's going to be wearing. And he's going to be in the same place where you feed your sheep. In in a manger. Verse 15. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, you know what, it's the middle of the night. (laughs) And and I'm really tired. And these lousy sheep are going to be up at the crack of dawn. And we're going to have to feed them. We're going to have to water them. It's going to be a bad day without any sleep. Let's just go get a good night's sleep, and we're off uh, on Thursday. Let's go on Thursday, our day off, and we'll keep our ears and eyes open and see if we hear anything else about what the angels told us. Back to verse 15. The shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem. <laughs> we got to see this thing that's happened which the Lord, through his angelic messengers, have told us about. So note, uh, they pack a lunch, they went and got batteries for their flashlights, stopped and got a coffee and a Slurpee at 7-Eleven on their way. Is, Is that what happened? Verse 16, no, they hurried off. They hurried and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. Here's the key lesson. Give me your eyes. The shepherds were available. I think that's why they were the first ones who got to see the newborn king. They were willing to be interrupted. The shepherds were available. They were willing to be interrupted. They were willing to give their time and their energy. They were open to listening to the message of the angels. And when the angels spoke, they heard and they responded. Contrast that in Matthew chapter 2, when the wise men are heading from the east, they appear at Herod's door Herod calls the chief priests, the scribes, the the religious elite, and they have answers. Hey, what's going on? Where's the Messiah going to be born? That's an easy one. He's going to be born in Bethlehem. But, give me your eyes, these religious scholars and leaders of the Jews, they were too busy, they were too scheduled, They were too distracted with lives to get off of their lazy boy, too lukewarm, we talked about two weeks ago, to get up and travel seven, eight miles down the road to find out 
if the Savior of the world has actually been born just down the road. They, they, they were too many Bible studies to preach. I've got meetings. I'm just kind of tired. These religious scholars were not willing to be interrupted. No, no, I'm not available. No thanks. Even if God with skin on was born just down the road. No, too busy, too busy. Did you know that God Almighty is still in the business of using nobodies to get his work accomplished? God with skin on still wants to use people who are ordinary, plain nobodies, people who are willing to be interrupted, people who are available. Those are the people that he still uses in 2023. If the Lord wants to interrupt you in this week ahead, think about it. If the Lord wants to use you in this next week, are you more like the shepherds? I'm all in. Let's go. Or are you honestly more like the religious leaders? I'd like to go, but, you know, I got these things scheduled and planned, and I'm a busy person, and I'm just, I'm just too busy. More like the shepherds today, or you're more like the religious scribes? Verses 17 and 18 is what happens when people are willing to be interrupted. Verses 17 and 18, here's what happens when we're available and we listen and we respond to the Lord's leading. Here's what it says, verse 17. After seeing Jesus... The shepherds told everybody what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. Verse 18, And all who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. Everybody was like, I can't believe it. These guys are the very first Christian missionaries handpicked by God himself. Okay? Plain, ordinary, unschooled, social outcasts. Think about it. Most of them still had sheep manure on the bottom of their worn-out sandals. And yet they were chosen by the Lord to be the first spreaders of the good news of Jesus. The ones who were saved by grace are just like us. Do you understand? Shepherds represent you and me. There are people who were dirty and, and no thank you and now saved by grace. That's what the shepherds were all about. Two main reasons why we don't share Jesus like the shepherds. Two main reasons why we don't just tell everybody about Jesus. First is this. We've bought the lie that you have to have all the answers before you start telling people about Jesus. Some of us, we'd say, you know what, I would, tell, I would tell my family and friends and neighbors, but I'm just not ready to share about Jesus because I don't know enough. I need to know more because what, uh, what if somebody asks me a question and I don't have the answer? I wonder right now how many of you are thinking, well, I don't have enough answers, Pastor Jeff, so I can't go be a missionary and, and I would ask, how many answers do you think the shepherds had? 
How much did they know? The guys with the best answers, track with me, the ones who knew the most were the religious leaders, the scholars, and they were the ones they wouldn't get off of their chairs, their royal thrones, and go find out if Jesus had actually been born. They had all the answers, but they were lukewarm and they weren't willing to go and check it out themselves. Having lots of answers to questions doesn't save souls. Doesn't. It doesn't. It's good to know about God's book. It's good to know some apologetics, but our intellectual answers is not what brings others to new life in Christ. Track with me here. Shepherds are just saying this. We've seen the newborn king, and he's amazing, and the people were astonished. They were stunned. Because these nobodies, these social misfits, had a passion for Jesus. And that's what speaks to people. That's what we're supposed to speak up about. Okay? It's okay to say, you know what, I don't have the answer to that question. I'll, I'll go find out. I'll ask somebody if I have to. But here's what I know. Jesus has come into this sinner's life and he's changed me from the inside out. And he's alive in me and if you'll invite him in, he'll change you too. You understand? That's what he's looking for. You don't have to have all the answers. Second reason we don't share Jesus like the shepherds did so freely is bluntly, we don't want people to think we're weird. We, we don't want people, well, well, you know, that Henry guy, he's a little different. Yeah. yeah. And we honestly care more about what people think about us than the sinners around us who are in desperate need to know Jesus and be forgiven of their sins. We care more about what other people think than about sharing the good news of Jesus. I want to tell you a little bit about somebody who's a friend of mine. He was the campus pastor up in Alanson Church, our campus up there. His name is Papa Joe. How many of you know Papa Joe? Here's one thing about Papa Joe. He likes to eat out at restaurants, and every time I've been with him, probably 15, 20 times, out to eat, here's what he asks the waiter or the waitress every time. How can I pray for you? So the waitress is there ready to take the order, and before he gives any order, before anybody can speak, he says, hey, we want to pray for you. How can, we, how can I pray for you? And I recall a couple of them say, you know what, I'm really not into the Jesus church thing. And Papa Joe says, that's okay, I'm not asking you to be into it. I'm just asking you, how can I pray for you? And every time, I have yet to see a waitress or a waiter pray for my daughter. Pray that I might get a new job. Pray for my marriage, yeah, yeah. Pray Pray for this, pray for that. It's amazing. Then we'll come back into that same restaurant a few weeks or months later. 
Um, and once again, he'll say, how is your mother doing? How is how's your marriage doing? Uh, and he's remembering their request. I'm telling you, it's a brilliant way to shine bright for Jesus. Just pray for people, okay? I just want you to know, I've been a pastor now 40 plus years. I'm still growing in this area. I'm still growing and learning. But I've got great news of great joy for all people. And here's what I know. His name is Jesus Christ, and he's changed me, and he'll change you too. That, that's really all we got to know. He, he's, he's made a difference in my life, and he'll make a difference in your life as well. Final lesson for us. Final lesson from the shepherds concludes verse 20. Here's what it said. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, because it was just as the angel had told them. This section starts with an angelic course, and now it concludes with a shepherd quartet. Uh, Grateful, thankful, glorifying, praising God for showing up and allowing them to see the newborn king of kings. Okay? Can I just say, we have so much to be thankful for, just like the shepherds. Okay? It's a reminder. We have so much to be thankful for uh, because we're no longer headed for judgment because of what Jesus accomplished for us on the cross. We, we don't have to face Revelation 20. We're now children of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Listen close. We have the third person of the Trinity living, point to where with me, right here. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives right here. We have the roadmap for life, God's instruction manual for living, And God's book says this is better than gold or silver or any money that you can imagine. It's better. It's better. We have a family. It's called a church family, a family of believers. We get to live with, laugh with, cry with, pray with, worship with, and together we get to reach northern Michigan together. And oh, by the way, you ready? The best is yet to come. <laughs> the best is yet to come, right? We, we get to go and be face-to-face with Jesus. New heaven, new earth, no more pain, no more tears, no more death. Eternal joy with our King, Jesus Christ. Good news of great joy, which is for all people. A Savior has been born. He is Jesus Christ, our Lord. Let's pray. Lord, thank you. Thank you for choosing to leave the glory and splendor of heaven and taking on human form. Thank you, Lord, for uh, not just being born, but for living a sinless, perfect life. And Lord, we praise you that you were willing to take our place on a Roman cross. 
shed your blood for my greatest problem, all of our greatest problem, we're sinners, took our place in that grave and arose victoriously. <laughs> Lord, that's awesome. Thank you for those facts. And Lord, I'm praying that we would be willing to be interrupted in this week ahead. Lord, would you, would you uh, use us? Make us available. If you want to speak up this next week, Lord, if we're willing to share what Jesus has done, even though we don't have all the answers, Lord, would you make us willing to even follow Papa Joe's lead? How can I pray for you? Help us to be as excited to share as these nobodies, these outcasts were, the shepherds. And here's my last question. Do you know Jesus personally? Is there clear evidence that Jesus has taken up residence and is alive and working in you? And if you're here and you're thinking, I, I'm not sure, I, I, or maybe I don't think so, today can be the day of salvation. Jesus, I believe you were born as the newborn king you lived a sinless life. You qualify as my sinless lamb. You took my place on the cross. You shed your blood for my sin problem. You took my place in the grave in early Sunday morning. He didn't stay dead, but you arose for me. I believe that. And here's the final step. By faith, I welcome you, Jesus. I receive you as my Savior, my Lord, my king, my friend, take charge of my life. I'm going to choose to follow you. No turning back. Right where you are, if you're watching online, if you're here live in person today, you can welcome Jesus in. If you're watching online, hit that prayer button. We'll have a private chat with you. If you're here in person, make your way over to the prayer corner. See me in the middle doors as you leave. Lord, thank you for this celebration for your coming into this world. And Lord, you've made an awesome difference in my life, so many lives. Help us, Lord, to be as excited and as bold and loving as these shepherds were. We love you. It's in Jesus' awesome name we pray all these things. Amen.